Nobody can see. But you, everybody at home just know he looks really cool right now. Oh man, so cool. Whoa, wow, so cool. Oh my god. Welcome to Push to Shout, episode 88. This is a show about video games, and I gotta tell you, we played some. Skippy, do you want to start? Sure, why not? Uh, I played a new video game. I'll go ahead and start right off with the with the big the big guns. Actually, I won't. I played more of the crew. I was I was pretty down on the crew last week. I'm less down on it now. I played a little more of it. Uh, it has a couple redeeming factors. One is the world is truly massive and pretty varied and and not so much interesting, but it's it's fun to, to drive long distances and like go from, you know, the south to the desert to the mountains to the snowy mountains and to the coast and, and all open that stuff. world kind of road tripping game would actually be kind of cool. And that's like that's, if you could go across the country and maybe into like South America and like just yeah, plow really cool a, a bulldozer through the rainforest or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It it is impressively big, uh, and and it does have variety. I mean, maybe not as far as like roads go and stuff it's you start to realize it's all the same essentially but but you do go through different locales and stuff and you can go very long distances and slowly make your way around i mean it takes a good hour or more to go across the country um which is pretty impressive and where that game shines is in races or challenges or whatever that take you across the country on purpose uh but basically all the races and stuff are short they're like 10 minutes or less and so it doesn't take advantage of what it has at all because you're just you're just racing these very short distances sometimes even just circuits like little laps and uh and that sucks and and the only there's only one thing where you you get the option to actually go long distances which is a uh i don't know there's like these factions it has something to do with multiplayer but you can do these faction races but they don't give you any xp and they don't keep track of your progress. Like, it'd be cool if you had like an hour-long time trial race or something like that, and it actually ranks you against people, but it doesn't. It just gives you some money and sends you on your way. So it just feels kind of pointless, and, and I don't know. I, that's really disappointing, because that game, yeah, if it was a road-tripping simulator, that game would be really cool. A, a really high-speed, stupid, fun road trip is fun in that game. And, and you get to do that a couple times, but it's not the focus of it when it really should be. Um, but anyway, the reason I was playing the crew to begin with is because Forza Horizon 3 was coming out on the PC. The first time Forza coming to the... Well, it's maybe just not the on very Windows time, Store, right? It is. So, yeah. Because uh, okay. I got more to talk about in that department later. Well, yeah. I've got some news. things to say about that. Um, so this is one of their flagship Xbox Play Anywhere games titles where you buy it on one platform, you get it for both platforms, your saves cross over. uh, And so things like Halo and Forza and Gears of War are coming to the PC. And they're fully featured. It's not like you're getting some watered-down version or anything like that. For for Halo 5, I don't think it's the full game. No, it's just Forge. Although it might be... It's Forge and multiplayer for yeah so custom the, game modes which are the best anyway but I, I i mean the standard they seem to be setting is that every game that's going to come out is going to be on both uh first party at least so like i imagine that's the great next halo i love it uh, i love it too 
here's the problem. Uh, uh, always Forza... problems with you, you bitch, and you moan, Forza... you never get anywhere, what, fuck it. Forza Horizon 3 me. was clearly not optimized for the PC. Um, it struggles. And it struggles in really mind-blowingly... It... So, my game, my NVIDIA, when I updated my drivers, recommended some settings for Forza. That were basically yeah. all ultra, all the highest settings. I've got a 1070 now, so I'm 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 up there with the elite. And one three three seven. Yes, and Man. I I so I launched the game, and it's running. I would say okay. I would kind of what I would expect putting all the settings to high. It's like it's not going to maintain a 60 frame rate. It was kind of jumping around a little bit between 30 and 60. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll lower some settings and it, it should be fine. I can maintain a really steady 60 frames. I lower them down to medium. It seems like nothing changes except the game looks significantly worse. I lower them all the way down. Every setting I possibly can, I put it on the lowest setting. And the frame rate <laughs> improved by about 10 frames per second. So wow. it went from jumping from like 30 to 60 to like 40 to 70. Um, impressive and it, games. Looked, and it looked awful like it's not like these settings aren't doing much when you change them they you can turn off shadows completely and it looks like you've turned off shadows completely and, but the frame rate doesn't change it's it's mind-blowing it's so badly optimized i hope that it's just like a switch that needs to be flipped somewhere that they forgot to flip or something really easy to patch but i don't know um and and so now i'm back to ultra because why wouldn't I be on all the highest settings if I'm only going to get a 10 frame difference and I just capped it at 30 which is not how I want to play that game but does it usually dip below that much though not below 30 no I it'll it'll struggle momentarily a couple times which it has like hitching issues issues a little bit which are frustrating um but for the most part it just seems like they they really did not even know how or try to figure out how to get it to 60 I don't know because it's you know, it seems like they spent a lot of time. Like, like the settings are pretty in depth. There's a lot of settings, and and you can change the way the game looks significantly from low to high, and it doesn't do anything. So I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, but um, I, I'm hoping. You see, the be problem patched. is that you need the cloud computing GPU power of yeah. the Xbox One, which will send it out to the cloud and then give you. It'll pump back graphics. Yeah, uh, uh, it's too complicated. I shouldn't explain it to you. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> um. But that's not the only issue I'm having. So I had to download it off the Windows Store because it's the only place that's available, which means you don't get your friend's Steam list, which would be really nice to have in a racing game that pulls in your friend's lists as other drivers in the world, even if they don't even have the game. It, it gives their it has their little drive avatar or whatever, where it acts like they're a person, but it's just an AI with your friend's name. But then if, they, if your friend does have the game and they buy their cars and... and custom paint jobs on their cars and stuff, then their drive avatar will show up in the game and it'll drive like they do ostensibly. But um, yeah, it, it, that would be nice to have an existing friends list because would I had be... to create a Microsoft account to play this game. I have one already, but I don't know the, the information for it and it's really Wait, old. So the, the AI will start to drive like you? Apparently, yeah. They've been doing this for a few years now um, where it tries to keep track of what kind of driver you are. Like, do you run people off the road a lot? 
are you super aggressive? Oh, okay. And then it, and then to drive a tar. So like if someone's drive a tar is a complete asshole, that means that they drive like an asshole. Apparently, I, I don't know how well it actually works, but it's a cool idea. I like it. Um, it probably keeps it active without like just being generic. Yeah, you can and, probably and it, start jumping to conclusions about people. They're like actual users. It just makes it fun based on can, how the AI is driving. Yeah, you can put personality to AI, and whether it's true or not, it's fun because it's like, oh, that guy's an it's asshole. It's a story, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it, it actually that adds a lot to the game, especially like considering it, like other forces have done that. I don't know if the other horizons have. I assume they have, but you just see them driving around in the world, and you can like pick them up and like if you honk your horn at someone, they'll join your your convoy and they'll drive alongside you and stuff. And, and, uh, and then you can race against them to your objective or you can enter races with them in there and stuff like that. Uh, and so it, yeah, it adds a lot of personality to a single player. It's not a single player game completely, but the main open world part is, um, although I guess you can do co-op, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I had to create a Microsoft account, which was a pain in the ass because Microsoft has literally the worst account management system in the world. I mean, it's yes. unbelievably bad. Um, I don't know how it just seems to screw up entirely sometimes. It's amazing. It was the, at its worst with Games for Windows Live, where yeah. I would definitely be putting in my correct username and password, and it would not work. Yeah. And it was just completely baffling. And, and, I don't, and they have it just so many... turned me off to any kind of Microsoft-managed cloud account system. Yeah. I just don't trust them to not wall me off. And for it's no been bad forever. I remember creating an account for the Xbox 360 and having the exact same issues. They, they haven't improved it at all. They're, part of their problem is like they have all these different services that you can create accounts for, like Outlook and all that stuff, and then they try to sync them, but at the same time keep them separate, and so everything just gets really muddled and confusing. But anyway, I created a new account, and I had to log in using that new account. And then next time I turned on my computer, it made me log into that account before I could even ask, access oh, my desktop. And yep. it, it, it that's was like, your what the fuck Microsoft are you doing? account now. And, uh, there you yeah, go. no, I, 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 I went in the settings and turned it off. But another thing you have to do constantly when setting up your Microsoft account is make sure that it's not trying to steal all of your information and turn on all these features yep. that you don't want and send you shit you don't text. want. All Cortana, that shit. all she has to do is uh, uh, log everything you type, yeah, which is actually real. It's what it does. It says that this gives... Microsoft servers access to all keyboard input is what Great. it says. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, it's wonderful. I, I, so it, when you install Windows 10, there's a I know there's one particular screen where it acts like you have to I think it acts like you have to sign up to an, a Microsoft Outlook account or something like that. Like you have to have a Microsoft account before yeah. continuing. But you don't actually. There's small text underneath that says um it yeah, says I, I don't like have an account. And then you click, I don't have an account, and it tries to register you. But then if you skip all the registration stuff and you go to the very end, it says you can skip the step. But it's tiny, and you can't see Strong it unless you're really looking for it. They do the same thing in setting up this account. Is they try to sign you up with something else, and you have to look for the little thing that says you can skip it. It, it drives me insane. Um, and then I get into the fucking game. It's the loudest game I've ever fucking played in my life. You know, it, it forces you to watch the introductions, which is a very common thing that I, that frustrates the shit out of me. They're super loud, like always. And then the crazy part is that you get into the game. First of all, it's a Microsoft app, and it acts like an app. Everything about oh, it is like apps. a Microsoft app. It's an official thing that you downloaded from Microsoft, and it's a Microsoft app. It doesn't show up in the volume mixer. Oh, Jesus. 
So you can't control the volume music. Why? I don't know. I have I've never encountered a game that doesn't show up in the volume mixer. So I have to go into the settings. I have, but they've always been like stupid Unity games. I, or something. Not an official Microsoft. So you have game. to go into the that's ridiculous. You have to go into the audio settings and you have to lower the volume manually, which you're gonna want to do because it's the loudest fucking game in the world. And the default's at ten, and you can lower it down to one. First of all, it has like six different bars for like music and radio DJ and voiceover and car and tire and all like everything has its own volume bar, very in depth. None of those can be set to zero as far as I know, which is weird. It's like I want to set the music to zero, but it won't let me. I have to like switch the radio off in game to not listen to the fucking music. Anyway, I lower everything to like seven, which is what I do with a lot of games when I first get them is like lower it down to seven. I don't notice any difference. I lower it down to five. Don't notice any difference. I lower it down all the way to one. It's literally probably 75% or 80% of the full volume at one out of 10. And you can't go lower. And there's no volume mixer. So if that's still too loud for you, deal with it. That's it. It, it blows my mind. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> why? And and OBS doesn't recognize it. I don't know why. Oh, of course. Um, Got to stream through official Microsoft Xbox stream. Which they don't platform have. thing. I, I don't I, know. I thought they did. I don't think so. I'm not sure. That? Oh, Blizzards are just implementing that. Yeah, Blizzard has that, and and Nvidia has all sorts of stuff. I, there's a way to stream it if you want to stream it, but fuck that, shit. That's ridiculous. The, the game is full uh, of these issues. Is it Halo that way too? Thirty minutes after I first started. Did playing you actually it. get to play Forge? No, I never. I never even downloaded Forge. Um, I, I'm gonna I, play I, I probably will. I mean, it's it's oh, it seems really goofy and fun. The, the amount of things you can do with Forge is actually kind of incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it's like having that on PC. Yeah, with, with multiplayer, um, that's cool. I, I, I didn't. But I hope realize, it's in the volume mixer. The last time I played a Halo game was Halo Reach, which had Forge. Like I think they've had Forge since three. And that's uh, the last one I played for any significant amount of time. Yeah. Right? And Forge was cool at the time. It was like make your own game modes, and you can you can even mess with the maps and stuff. But it was still it was what you would expect out of a multiplayer level editor, like the Far Cry style kind of editor that we've had before. Now I I see what people have made in Forge, and it's like you can make whatever you fucking want. It's crazy. Um, yeah, that stuff's really impressive. So I, I I'm looking forward to trying that stuff out. It's really cool that they released that for PC. It was a great idea. I don't know what they get out of releasing it for free other than, like, hey, I, I like maybe Microsoft, or I hate Microsoft less now for trying to steal all my information because now I can play Forge for free, I guess. Maybe it's a test run for, I don't know, Halo's on PC just to gain yeah, interest. Maybe. maybe. I am very shocked, though, that they didn't make a bigger deal about this. You'd think yeah. that this would be a big deal. If, Actually if I were them, I'd make a big deal Halo out of it, and I would charge PC. $20 for it. Absolutely. Them. Yeah. But they but, made it a non-event. I didn't know about it. Yeah. Immediately, I'd, I'd heard about it, but only but through told word me. of mouth. Yeah. Um, Until somebody told me. And, then I, <laughs> and, of course, part of it is that they're trying to make the Microsoft Store a thing, which it won't be. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, Forza, but as a game, so actually talking about the game itself rather than all of its technical issues, once you get past those tech issues, uh, the game is very, very good. Um, it's... God. I don't know. I, it's what you want from an open world driving game. 
You can do a bunch of different stuff. You can drive around and have fun and, and it's laid back and it's not trying to push you to constantly do things. It's like, like there's even a setting in that game when you're driving through the open world. You can ask your GPS, what should I do? And it'll choose like a random activity oh, cool. nearby and you can just drive to it and do it. Um, That'd be a good feature in GTA. It'd be a good Honestly. feature in almost any open world game because it's just like sometimes you're just like lost and you're like, well, fuck, I just want something to do. And and having the computer just tell you, here's here's what you can do is a is a great idea. Um, and I noticed for the first time, I knew the Xbox One had these um, this feature, but I'd never it never came up in any games. Um, the triggers have rumbles in them. And in Forza, when you're like braking, if your tires lock up, it starts rumbling. And you can feel when the tires lock up, and that feels really, really good, and is super helpful. It makes braking. You're using an Xbox different. One controller. Yeah, I, uh, my dad when he got the Oculus for his racing setup, he uh, he got an Xbox One controller with it, and and I took it because he doesn't need it. Um, and yeah, the, the the rumbles are really, really, really they're handy and feel really good. I was like super impressed. I wish more games used them because it it makes a lot of sense. How does it stack up to the PS4 controller? I haven't used the PS4 controller a whole lot. Um, I still prefer the layout of the of the Xbox controller. I've never liked the two thumbsticks down below. It, it's always felt unnatural to me. Um, but I like the I like the PS4 controller just fine. I would say I like the Xbox One controller more just because it's a familiar feel to what I'm used to personally. Uh, and the trigger rumble stuff is really good if you're playing Forza, but that's the only game I know of that uses it. I like that the way the thumbsticks have like a little concave thing in them and they feel good. I don't know. It's a it's a decent controller. I like it. Um and I needed one because my 361 was falling apart. Probably like a decade old almost. Um Yeah, mine is barely alive anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I, I, I like the, the Xbox. And and I I know you know it has official support where the PS4 controller doesn't always yeah, have, that's true. have support. Um and 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 Microsoft just seemed to finally well I say finally, I guess they have for a while, uh embraced the fact that their controller is the controller for PC and they actually like kind of support it. And they have like the DLB controller or whatever, the pro has controller. Only Xbox One button prompts. Yeah. Most games which do. Which is Yeah. Uh really? I, don't, I don't know which, if I've ever seen I don't think I've, I don't think I've played a, enough games. I don't think I've ever seen a PC game have PS4 prompts. At at most it puts a color that is the Xbox button colors without saying A B X Y, but most of the time it just shows an Xbox. Prompt. Well, there are there are games where it works natively now, but then there's games like The Witcher Three that will change the button prompts depending on which controller you have really? in. Yeah, if I you play The that. Witcher Three, you plug in your your PS4 controller, no third party programs whatsoever, it'll just immediately start working. All the button All right. prompts are correct. Very cool. That, that's cool. It's I didn't totally know any games did that. I've literally never seen it. I mean, I've never used a PS4 controller with a PC, but like, I just assumed. Why wouldn't you just make Xbox prompts when ninety percent of your people do use the Xbox, or at least know what those buttons correspond to? Uh, but yeah, Forza is great. I, if you're thinking about getting it, wait for the tech issues to resolve. Uh, I was gonna do that, and then I wanted it real bad, and 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 I took the risk, and I think it was worth it because. My tech issues aren't as bad as a lot of people's. Um, the frame rate's my only real problem right now, and and I feel like it's going to get fixed. I hope. Um, but yeah, those, those are the racing games I've been playing. I also played more Battlefield Four. I finally discovered how to change 
I, I think I was talking about this last podcast, like the the orange dots above your head ruining Battlefield. Um, there's a game mode. There's actually two game modes, but one in particular that removes those dots, and actually, it actually removes almost all the HUD elements: ammo, mini map, even the compass. Um, What's that mode called? In Call of Duty, I'm pretty sure it's hardcore. It's okay. also hardcore yeah. in Battlefield. All right. uh, and it makes the game completely different and way better, in my opinion. Uh, I would wish they kept the compass, and I actually would still like a mini-map so I can tell where my teammates are. But uh, but it makes you focus on the game rather than like the map and shit. And the fact that you don't have a little orange dot above your head means that you can fucking play the game with some amount of stealth, you know, or just even a little bit of strategy, like flanking and stuff, without just being zeroed in on as soon as you kill someone. Uh, so if you're going to play Battlefield, play it on hardcore mode. There's also uh, there's normal, hardcore, and classic. And I think classic keeps some of the HUD elements and, like, doesn't make your health lower, and stuff like that. Like, like, hardcore goes a little too far, in my opinion, um, and unbalances the game a little bit. Classic sounds like it's perfect, but apparently nobody plays it, so stuck with hardcore. But yeah, if Battlefield Four is a good brain brainless shooter fun thing. I, I do like that game. I'm gonna play more of it. It's just it's just fun when you need a thirty minutes to relax and it's super easy. I like Call of Duty on Xbox three sixty when I used to play. If I wasn't in first place, I was super disappointed in myself. Like your competition is so low. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, that rings true. Every once in a while, you find someone who's really good, and they stomp you. But ninety-eight percent of the time, you're in first place, and there's just no competition. Battlefield was the same way on the consoles. Although with Battlefield, if you're if you're trying to care about your score, then like you're probably not having very much fun. Like you're supposed to. The way I, you're supposed to play this game according to me. Uh, you need to not care about your kill death ratio or your score or anything. Just play and have fun. But uh. Doing that, playing and having fun, not trying or anything, I've gotten in first place multiple times out of 64 players, which is crazy. It, it seems like, I guess, everyone who plays Battlefield, most people who play Battlefield just don't even try that hard to, like, actually be good and, like, get a bunch of kills and sprint around the map. And so that, I think that makes the game more fun as a whole because people are fucking around a little more. And, uh, yeah, I, I like the game. I, it relies a lot on getting lucky with the server and community and everything, but it's good. Um, last thing you might be wondering why I would bother to even bring this up on the podcast. I watched Zootopia, which is a movie for children. Uh, and the reason, did you like the rabbit? There was a rabbit in it. I have a huge crush. Wow, what a cute, I have a huge crush on the rabbit. What a cute, adorable, fuckable. I bunny. have a huge crush on the bunny. Uh, no, I, the only reason I bring it up, <laughs> and hear me out on this, Zootopia straight up stole the plot of the newest Deus Ex games, specifically the Deus Ex Human Revolution, but carrying on to Mankind Divided. Let me tell you, do you know the, you know the really? plot to Human Revolution? You've played it. I don't know if you played all the way yeah. through it, but you know, the, the, I know, you know what's, what's up. up. Yeah. Here's Zootopia's plot. You have two... Social classes of animals. You have predators and prey. And they're living together, uh, but it's a little bit strained because the prey, although they're the minority, like 10% of the population, are physically intimidating and uh, stronger 
able to overpower the prey, and the prey are distrustful of the predators as a result, but they live together harmoniously. There's a little bit of discontent and whatnot, but for the most part, they're fine. Well, suddenly, a predators start going crazy and attacking the prey. They go back to their savage states, and they attack the prey, and uh, and suddenly, and the media catches a hold of the story and says, oh my god, the prey are going crazy. They're killing us. We need to drive them out of the city and, uh, you know, make this a, 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 a prey-only world. Well, <laughs> they... The, Very the, subtle. the bunny character uh, <laughs> uncovers a conspiracy. <laughs> the, the the one of the leaders of got her intelligence or hot. One as of well. the people in the government is um has developed a biochemical weapon that uh, when forced upon the prey through a dart gun causes them to go insane and and attack the. The, the the predators to go insane and attack the prey, and they did it specifically so that they could gain power through the fear created by the prey turning against the the the, the predators turning against the prey and the prey deciding no more predators. It is literally the plot to Deus Ex if you just exchange predators with with augmented people and 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 the prey with everyone else. It, I was. <laughs> I was sitting there watching it like that's not it's not like a that's not like a common plot. Like Deus Ex is the only game I know of or uh, anything that I know of that has used that particular plot. But it, it it's it straight up stole it. I swear I the writers must have played Deus Ex. It's you know what? That's not impossible. And yeah, I kept mixing up Predator and Prey. It's not they're impossible. Just fucking deal with it. You know what I mean. Um but yeah, it's the same fucking plot. It's crazy. It's crazy, and and they uncover the the conspiracy, and and everyone lives happily ever after, which is not so much like Deus Ex, but it's a children's movie. Um, but it's especially the part where the media gets involved and starts like trumping up the story and saying like, "Oh, the 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 predators can't be trusted, and and we need to drive the predators out." And it's like, "Oh my God, it's Deus Ex." Anyway, what have you been doing this week? Well. Last week, I lied to the good people. I put near in the title of the podcast and lied to the good people and didn't mention it at all, which is kind of impressive. I guess. You hadn't played anyway, it at that point, had you? That's true. No, so no. So what were you going to say about it? What, what were you going to say about it? I don't know. Good point. So maybe my failure was coincidentally a good thing. Anyway, I watched a trailer... For a game called Nia Automata. And it's some of the coolest gameplay I've ever seen. I am so excited. I didn't even care about this game. But now it is the only thing on my radar. Besides like The Last Guardian. or um, There's one other game that's supposed to come out by like December. But I can't even remember what it is right now. So yeah. It's it's on the short list baby. And um, so I got it. The gameplay trailer. Just look it up if you haven't seen it. It's E3 boss battle near Automata. So watch that. Really, really cool. So I figured, hey, 
Wow, Platinum Games. That they, It looks like they're making a really cool game here. I'll play the first one. The first one's probably not as good, but I'll give it a shot. Well, it turns out that they're not made by Platinum oh. Games. The only one made by Platinum, Nier itself is a spinoff of the Guard series, and only Nier Automata is made by Platinum. The rest is some other company, uh, and it really, really shows <laughs> because um, the story is actually surprisingly good. That's what took me off guard, is how interesting the story mm. was. But uh, what also, unfortunately, took me off guard is just how much of an unpolished, weird turd with nuggets of gold in it near itself is. So near is a PS3 game. I'm playing it on PS3. And, God, it really... It looked bad for its time. Mm. Uh, it, it looks like a PS2 game, honestly. And it looks like a bad-looking PS2 game. But it's still got that like PS3-era just smear bloom all over everything. And um, just, God, the visuals are I, disgusting. I know exactly what, what, what kind of visuals. So yeah. bad. It's like, like, at times, it looks like a Dreamcast game, <laughs> honestly. And, uh, God, it's so, like, stiff in weird ways. Just And uh, some of the music loops are too short even though pretty good i don't know there's just a lot of baffling things in that game like for example um there was this dungeon thing i was going through called the junk keep and it is at first i'd been in the overworld for a long time so it was that same loop was really grating on me like genuinely getting on my nerves and i'm not that far into the game and uh i go into this dungeon and I'm, i immediately am I, I stop because the music has changed. It's now like this techno-industrial. There's like hammers pounding against anvils in the back of the soundtrack. And uh, there was no suggestion that there would be anything futuristic at all in the game up to this point. So you go in from this like medieval plains and then you just go further back into like this cave that seems to be a factory from like a long, long time ago that's still working somehow. Neat. And it's like, whoa, cool. You say that, but then it's this endless labyrinth of identical-looking rooms and hallways yeah. that are nearly impossible to navigate. Sounds like Morrowind. It's uh, genuinely hell. But then, just when you think you're in hell, you get on a little minecart in the factory, and then the camera pulls up above you, and it becomes like this arcade bullet hell kind of thing where you're like using your your book that shoots bullets essentially to like geometry war style shoot a whole bunch of en- incoming projectiles and enemies like there's just these flashes of creativity yeah. that are genuinely great and really interesting uh, and the story itself it's you start in like modern times it's snowy something clearly bad is happening but it's like modern day tokyo or a city or whatever and you fight a bunch of demon things, and you level up like 80 times in one fight sequence, and you fight a little boss, and then your daughter gets sick, and it fades to black. Then Tex shows up 1,132 years later, and then you're still your da- you're the dad, and your daughter's still sick, but now you're in like this cottage in an idyllic medieval village, and you're level one. Okay. And nothing is explained whatsoever. And in this perfect little ideal medieval village that would seem like ripped straight out of Morrowind or something, just like a kind of plain 
I know Morrowind has exotic locations, but just think of like a vanilla medieval town. Skyrim. And then there's like once in a while, yeah, a Skyrim town. Now just imagine if in this Skyrim town there were like street lights that were all broken, but just like once in a while, and just it clearly is happening years and years after, and it's it's a mystery and it's a fun one to break open, and there's all kinds of cool campy Japanese magic garbage going around. Okay. There's a girl who, for some reason, like quiet, has to wear scantily uh, revealing clothing. Yes, you will regret your words and deeds. <laughs> indeed. Uh, but yeah, this, but sometimes even the combat that's stiff when you're fighting mobs, which is what you're doing 90% of the time, it just it becomes something so much better when you're fighting a boss. Like, the boss encounters are so well designed, and they feel great to actually play the gameplay is almost as fun as it looks in the (laughs) trailer in some of the boss fights yeah but still never quite the the, uh well platinum their main game that they're like focusing on is that dragon one for the xbox scale bound scale bound well that's what they have camille on yeah it um, seems like that's their focus that looks like it's a what's piece being of marketed and everything. It, it, it had the worst E three showing. It was it just yeah. It was completely uninteresting and and boring looking. Um, and near Automata looked fantastic. Um, that boss fight you showed me is is really neat. The animation looks really really good. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Was that video sixty frames per second? Because it, it, yes, yeah, it is. and and the animation is and, and it's, it's going to run a sixty fps on console. It too. just. It feels like that. Like a lot of times, sixty frames per second just feels right. It just like okay, you know, this feels good, but it's like how it should feel. This like you notice the smoothness of everything because the boss is like animated in this like flowy but still robotic way. That it, that was very impressive. Um, and yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. And I think about how much fun Metal Gear Revengeance was. Yeah, and, and like I want definitely. to play a game like that. So yeah, it it it, it definitely catches my eye a little bit i'm usually not into those kinds of games but platinum has a track record of making those kinds of games and making them very well absolutely and i think it interests me more than bayonetta automata does yeah i never played bayonetta Um, but i mean it did look fun but it just never bayonetta is fun it's more of like a traditional hack and slash um it's like about combos and things like that Nier's pretty straightforward in the buttons you have to press. I'm assuming it's going to kind of work like the first one. Uh, it's basically simple in the buttons that you press, but you have lots of movement options, and enemies shoot lots of projectiles that you can dodge or shoot through or attack through. And, um, yeah, so there's a lot of activity in the movement of the fight rather than just, like, grinding out the combos that you need or uh, the techniques. So, I don't know. That's always kind of interested me more than like a raw hack and slash. Yeah. It, that boss fight, it was like a combination of like really, really well-worn territory, but throwing it all in together at once. Uh-huh. Like I was like, yeah, like it, it started a very doing those, diverse. It started shooting out the lasers and spinning around and you have to jump over the lasers. And I was like, is this like Banjo Kazooie or something? And then, and then it like goes to the top down and it starts, it turns into bullet hell. And it, yeah, there's just it, it. It seems really interesting that they just threw a bunch of shit at the wall, and and, and it seems like it's stuck. Um, the best part for me is the three dimensional bullet hell. Yeah, they're kind of like 
like the you have to worry about yeah. out like squid arms yeah. and then you weave in between them like, that is so cool movement looks interesting i don't really know what what's going on with it like there's a lot of it seems it like there's a lot like of different that, like yeah, abilities original. with movement um yeah seems cool yeah Japanese I'm games. yes so that's cool uh i also started watching a dumb anime Bakemonogatari, and uh, not much to say really. It's kind of got its head up its ass, uh, but it's directed in a really interesting way, like animated well, very interesting style. So that's basically what's what's got me going. Um, nothing really to report on that front. So yeah, that's, that's about. Oh, no, no, I also started uh, playing Castlevania DS, like one of the hmm. Castlevania DS games called Order of Ecclesia, I think. I'm not very far, but um, that's like the last one of those Symphony of the Night type games that they made. Yeah. And a lot of people consider it they should make more like the best or the most polished of them all. So I'm really enjoying it. It's a cool game. And I really grew up on those games, the uh, Dawn of Sorrow and Portia Ruin. I must have played those for hundreds and hundreds of hours. Like I got, when I was ten or so. I got Symphony of the Night when I was really young, and I, I played like five minutes of it, and was like, I clearly don't want to play this game. But I think being portable might have and, helped it for me. Yeah, probably. I don't remember. I might have had it on a. Uh, what was the portable? What it might have been? Was that a Game Boy Advance? Could it have come out on that? I don't remember, but I, well, I feel was like, like that a was flip portable at the time. Also, yeah, I didn't there have was that a Game one. Boy I did have one. the Advance though. I, I think I think I had the Game Boy Advance one, and I think it was Symphony of the Night. Did that come out on a Game Boy Advance? Um, I don't think so, but there was one almost exactly like it. I mean, they all yeah. are that style. Yeah, they, they look very similar and everything. But um, but yeah, I, I feel like I would have had a lot of fun with it if I just gave. There's a lot of games where like I put them down so quickly, and I could have had a ton of like Command and Conquer. I never would have played because I played like five minutes of it. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't begin to figure it out. It was way too complicated. I wasn't used to that level of depth in, in games. And I had a friend come over after like two months of having this game and only playing five minutes of it and deciding I was never going to play it again. I had a friend come over who was just determined to play it after they saw the cover or whatever. And they got really into it and they got me really into it. And it became one of my favorite games. And as a kid, like you're just so quick to, I was so quick to just dismiss stuff because I didn't want to sit there and figure it out. Yeah. Um, I missed out on a lot. <laughs> yeah, but. same. I kind of uh, regret missing out on Metal Gear. Like, one of my Me friends too. was really into Metal Gear, and I never really paid I don't much know, mind. Though, I don't know if I would have appreciated it at all, really, at that point. I mean, Metal Gear Solid 1, if you played that at the time, I can imagine that that was a hell of an experience because that game was doing stuff that no other game was doing. I mean, that was, that's a really amazingly well put together experience for and PS1. You know what? For all of the shit I gave Metal Gear Solid 5, we gave Metal Gear Solid 5 also, um, you know, I kind of wonder, like Rocco of Mega 64, he really likes Metal Gear Solid 5 and he thinks the ending was good. I disagree. Well, he, he likes Lost. He does like Lost, but it's not just thing. because it's him. He seemed to have an appreciation for the just talking to the player and just forgetting about everything else. He was able to like 
like that and push yeah. everything else aside. And I think I could kind of maybe understand where he's coming from if I had like started at Metal Gear One or Two oh, like he did and played it my entire life. And then you know it it would have felt would that be, different. I don't know. Maybe. That would have felt more. I still that felt more disappointing good. to me. I think so too, but I also think we don't really know what it's like to have been with Metal Gear the entire right. time. We don't. But I, I think it was I remember still thinking bad. though at the at the end of Metal Gear Solid Five, I remember thinking, "Holy shit! If I've been if if it's been this way, if it's been this, if I've been with Metal Gear Solid all my life, and this is the end to it, I would be so let down." Like that's and so anticlimactic. Some people just, are like, like that too. Like yeah, your I, best friend. I can't Carlos. imagine. I can't imagine liking that story or even tolerating it. Um, but yeah, I tolerate that. I mean, I yeah, you know, I still boss, think. Man. I still think. <laughs> I still think you would, if you include the story and everything in that game's overall. Like if you, if I was giving that game a numerical review, and and I was basing it even in comparison to its predecessors in the context of everything and how its story was super disappointing. That game's still like a nine out of ten. That game was fucking incredible, and I had so much fun with it. It was an awesome. It's one of the best games I ever played. It's just the story is the biggest <laughs> letdown of the century. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that game was fucking amazing. It was great. I kind of want to go back and play it, but I'm not going. The to. pain is still there. Yeah, it's a phantom pain. It was all intentional. <laughs> he intentionally made. A there bad were people game. arguing that. Yeah, it's true. There were people arguing that like it's supposed to be this like gut punch of like, oh god, I didn't, that didn't that didn't satisfy god. me at all. But I, I'm I really, think so. I'm really moved uh, and upset that this game yeah. is such a piece of garbage. That uh, wow, that's it's art really right touching there. me. Right in my it's ass. Art. God, please stop. Don't make Ugh. any more Metal Gears. Um, yeah, he needed That's to a good game, though. done. He was, he was burnt out. I think he was burnt out. He was done with that game like halfway through Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> but he <laughs> still know, managed got... to keep it going. Yeah, but there's quotes after Metal Gear Solid 2 from him where he's just like, yeah, I'm not going to make any more of those games and fuck that. Yep. And then he did. And thank- thankfully he did because Metal Gear Solid 3 was the best, the best Metal yeah. Gear Solid game. Uh, all right, we've talked. That's that's well worn territory, right there. Yes, it is. I think we may have devoted over four hours of podcast time together. Uh, probably on just there that. were at least like three weeks yeah. there where we were just talking <laughs> we were about just Mario Solid. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, for a couple weeks we were really excited, yes. and we were saying, eh, "The story is not what I want it to be," but you know, it's still okay. And and then when the story literally didn't lead anywhere and just was a huge letdown. Yeah, then we had a lot of talking to do about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think we should move on. To news? Yes. You've already talked about Halo 5 multiplayer. I have. Kotaku, UK. Very good website. Apparently better than Kotaku.com. Uh, regardless, they had an article... And uh, a long article about, I think it was t- titled like "The Troubled Development of Star Citizen" or something like that. Um, it had an interview. It had interviews with a bunch of different developers and stuff about 
Starsis and, and the way that it's expanded so quickly and they've been trying to it's just about trying to make that game and 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 live up to the expectations of uh what's his name the um the lead on the project the uh chris roberts yep that's his name chris roberts Uh, which that guy loves to make a promise out of nowhere with no explanation of how he's actually going to deliver on it and then and then apparently he just tells his teams like you can do it right come on <laughs> do it and uh i just i i i was reading comments and stuff about this article people talking about it and they kept saying well you know this is uh this is standard game development stuff and 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 i was expecting this article to be a hit piece but it's not really a hit piece it's just it's just you know i this hasn't changed my opinion of star citizen at all i don't think that this is um it doesn't look like there's anything problematic going on and i couldn't disagree more i think that this reinforces everything i already thought about star citizen which is that it's this complete jumbled mess that they're trying to to just dump into a pot and make it work and sure. you've got you've got teams all over the world some of them some of them are just like third party contractors that aren't involved with the company at all they're just being paid to make assets and stuff and they're all trying to make stuff to put into the same persistent universe how the fuck can you do that and i don't, I don't want to talk at length about star citizen because like, that's another well-worn territory thing but but this article was really interesting, and I, I do recommend people read it. Um, I'm skimming it. It, it seems me, to be pretty packed with information. It is. It, it, the The interviews go in depth about like very specific cases and stuff of stuff that like like they built that FPS module where it had like the cringiest fucking uh, uh, video where where they were they were playing it and the crowd kept reacting to it as if it was the best thing ever, and it just looked like this horrible generic janky FPS. And uh, and they scrapped it completely, and I guess they're making another another one now, and I guess they intend for it not to be this like separate system where you go into a game. It's going to be like like you're in space, you're driving around your your spacecraft, and you eject from it or whatever, and you you float over to another one, and you can then fight people with your guns without ever going through loading screens or anything like that. I don't believe it. Or if they do deliver on it, I don't believe it'll be any good. But that's what they're saying they can do. Uh, I can't. I don't know. That wait whole fucking thing's crazy. To come out. Cannot wait. If it ever comes out. Well, I, assuming that it's within our lifetime, that'll be a good day to, to watch, or at least like a I, yeah, dad and Freud a satisfying way. Day. I think what's going to end up happening is it's going to very slowly be released, piece by piece. You know, early access. Creep. That would be and, so much less fun to watch. It, it, but I think that's what's going to happen because that's what usually happens with these kinds of games. And and uh, and promises that they make now, four years from now, you're going to have a really, really tiny minority of people complaining that they never delivered on their promises, but most people are going to completely forget that those promises were ever made. and they're gonna... Forget about the game. They'll forget about the game. Most yeah. people will not well, be playing no, Star Wars people... in four years because it won't have come out yet. We'll but see. then in eight years after that... <laughs> People won't be playing it. But if they are, they won't care if there's features and stuff that aren't in the game or if the game's a janky piece of shit because people get used to that and it just becomes the new normal and and they accept it. And that's how you fucking sell an early access game to people is you fucking tell them, 
oh, we're going to make this better. And then you don't make it better, but they're used to the way it is anyway, and so they keep playing it. I, the Daisy style of development. Um, I don't know. I, I, there's still a lot of people playing Daisy, and that game is. Are there really? I a think that lot? game's like a. a, a, a yeah, I think I think so. I think there's a lot of people still okay. playing it. Um and that game that game to me like represents a small version of what Star Citizen is where it was like when they first started making it a standalone thing they were making all these promises about what it would be and they tried to dump it all in the game and it was a mess and then they kind of slowly stopped supporting it very much and as far as I know that game has very little support and updates. Um maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but but I know that that game is like a classic example of early access hell. You early know? access is a problem. It's a huge problem. It's it's really bad. And and that arc game that we talked about a week Survivor or two ago. Evolved. Yeah, where where it's early access and they've already come out with an expansion pack, and yeah. people are saying, well, well, you haven't fixed all these issues that you talked about, like back when early access first started, and doesn't look like you're going to fix them, and but they're still. You know, right now, let's check Steam real quick, just to see where it's at. Ark Survival Evolved is... Oh, no, wait, that's not the top seller list. Okay, yeah, it's not on the top seller list. It's not on the top ten. I, but, I missed the boat. Oh, well, that's not it. global. I, I never It's got about it. a dozen down. I missed the boat on it, too. I don't even really know what that game is. I think it's yeah, Unreal Engine it's 4. It's still selling really well. That's about all I know. It's a dinosaur game it's with selling, Unreal Engine 4. It's selling uh, better than the pre-order for Civ 6 right now. Okay. So I don't know I don't what know. to take away from that well, exactly. Point is, point is that thing that thing has been consistently selling and people have been consistently playing it even though it's a piece of shit that will never be it'll never turn into what they initially promised with that game, oh, which I, I don't really know exactly what that was, but I've seen the complaints from people who play it, and boy, what a mess. Um, Alright, uh, I've only got one other piece of news. Do you have anything? No. <laughs> My other piece of news is really insignificant, but I thought it was hilarious. Uh, yes. This is, okay, this is the story of the week, ladies and gents. This is where the uh, hard-hitting uh, journalism that you've come to expect from us Palmer Lucky uh, <laughs> has funded a very small organization. Sure the I'm talking tiny organization. Palmer Lucky. Internet billionaire Palmer Lucky, Facebook employee Palmer Lucky, uh, apparently founded a small group or helped found a small group based on the subreddit. Uh, <laughs> I guess the Donald or something like that. One of the, the Donald Trump subreddits uh, and gave it about $10,000 to fund the creation of Trump memes, memes that criticize Hillary specifically, uh, perhaps also pay pay memes, which have become apparently pay-pay. the mascot of the alt right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I Trump saw memes. today that Pepe made the uh, Anti-Defamation League's list of racist symbols. <laughs> Seriously, it's it's on there now um, for being associated with white power and stuff. Um, I'm not kidding. 
<laughs> I know you're not. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah. Um, uh, I, yeah, that's a... Uh, yep. And so people are calling Palmer Lucky racist and stuff, and they, they want Facebook to fire him. And I, I haven't seen anything come out of that. I think they're just going to stay quiet about it because people it's... will stop thinking. Actually, people have already stopped talking about it because I almost forgot to put it on the list, even though it was probably the funniest thing to happen this week. Um, yeah, it like, come on. Come on, it's... <laughs> One, it has to be in fun. He's not like donating to a super pack here. He's he donated ten thousand dollars, which to him is literally pennies. Yeah, like to a, a meme. We're machine. talking. He put his cash in a uh, meme uh, machine, and then it made memes. And and, and there was no, there's no evidence. There's no evidence that the memes he was apparently funding have any racism or sexism or whatever, or or Pepe in them at all. Uh, but yeah, sure. He's a racist and Facebook should fire him and he needs to, people were saying they're going to not buy a rift. And that ever going to use Facebook uh, again. Yeah. Uh, well, you shouldn't use Facebook. <laughs> if you if you want to be mad at Oculus, it sh- you should have gotten mad when they partnered with Facebook, which is way more evil than Trump <laughs> memes. Facebook is like legit scary 1984 shit. Trump memes are Trump memes. But anyway, uh, he uh, he did that. I think it's funny. Uh, he's also dating a Gamergate girlfriend, and this article came out that did you just say a Gamergate essentially docks her? A Gamergate girlfriend? Yeah, you don't have one of those. He has a Gamergate girlfriend, and uh, and a, a journalist somewhere decided that that was news and that they should. But we saw the information they can about his Gamergate girlfriend, and she had to shut down her Twitter account and well, it's good that they got, got harassed out of social media. wide open that way, like right before the debates, too. I mean, it really changed the tone of the debates yeah, a lot. Because if think. I'm like, um, if I'm walking down the street and I see some girl, it's like, how do I know she's not in, in that whole Gamergate situation? Gamergater, they need to be. They need to be identified and lined up on the wall and shot. Anyway, that's. It is the podcast. That's this week's podcast. Video games. 